Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Enjoy this podcast series all about how to rewild your life. Interlude number one, Fireside Chats bank robbers, and barbecued ribs. Growing up, my family's main heat source was a wood-burning stove. In the passageway connecting our kitchen to living room sat a massive cast-iron wood stove. We heated the stove using the hardwood my dad would cut at our property. At the end of the short upstate New York summer, there'd typically be 10 to 12 cords of wood stacked in our backyard. I was raised around fire, By the age of 10, I knew how to start one, stoke one, damper one, rekindle a dying fire. I knew when to and when not to remove the ashes, and I knew how to put one out. When I first started dating Jen, it was around the winter solstice. We lived in the desert of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Winters were chilly during the morning and evenings, dipping at altitude when the sun went down, sometimes to single digits and temperatures would gradually climb during the day as the sun reached its desert apex well above our 7,000-foot altitude. Jen grew up in Phoenix and had no experience with fires. They simply didn't need a fire any time of year in Phoenix. So she didn't know this skill. Makes a whole lot of sense. But when I went to the solstice party at Jen's house after we just started dating, I quickly learned that most people today don't know how to make a fire. And honestly, why would they? It's not a common part of our modern lives. But I found it to be an important part of the rewilding process, which I'm going to share more about with you during this episode. Jen's mom, she didn't have a hand in fire at all either. She grew up in Hollywood. And her dad, Jim, grew up in rural Pennsylvania, a place with just as much harsh winters as upstate New York. But Jim's father died from polio when Jim was seven years old. No longer could Jim's mom be a stay-at-home mom after her husband died. She was forced into taking on a full-time job to put food on the table for her two sons, Jim, Jen's dad, and Jim's older brother, Barry. The two boys grew up without a dad, and Barry wasn't the best older brother influence. Barry was a reckless, a rebel, and a bank robber. While Barry wasn't the best role model, he was a damn good bank robber. When Jen and her older brother Logan were teenagers, they remember Uncle Barry coming to the house for dinner. He'd set the kids down on the couch and show them his map of the next bank he planned to rob. Barry was a classy bank robber. While he carried a pistol, he never used it, at least not to Jen's acknowledgement. He'd rob a small town bank first thing in the morning. Then he'd go out to his car where he'd place the money in a cardboard box addressed to himself. 
Barry would slip the box in the mail, and when he returned home, the money would be there waiting for him. Barry had all sorts of costumes and decoys that he'd call on after a robbery. One time, he was driving down the road after a robbery, and there was a roadblock. The cops were stopping each car, one by one, to catch possible suspects of the bank robbery. When it was Barry's turn, he rolled up to the checkpoint with a full-length cast on his leg and a pair of crutches in the back seat. The officers gave him one look and waved him by. A broken leg equals a highly unlikely bank robbery suspect. So, to sum it up, Jen didn't grow up building fires, nor did her parents. It simply wasn't part of their lives. So that cold solstice night, when Jen tried to make a fire by stacking four solid pinion logs, teepee-style, into the kiva, with a few pieces of loosely wadded newspaper thrown in, which smoldered for a few minutes and then went out, I respectfully asked her if she wanted my help, and she was relieved that I asked. Jen and I have a lot of stories around fire that we've compiled over the decade plus that we've been together. We've lived in southwest homes with Kiva fireplaces. And a Kiva fireplace, for those of you who don't know what this is, delivers a power punch when it comes to scoring ambiance points, but gets a total F when it comes to heat producing points. Kivas are among the simplest fireplaces to make a fire in due to their often wide base and open mouth, similar to that of a brick pizza oven, allowing you to stack the wood in a box shape, place the papers in the middle, and light the match for an aesthetically appealing fire. We've lived in homes where a wood-burning stove was our sole heat source. We often have nightly fires outside under the stars in our chiminea, and one of my favorite pastimes is to smoke wholesome grass-fed meats in our smoker using hickory or mesquite wood. Barbecued ribs, pork belly, pork shoulder, and brisket are among my favorite. And this actually is a very primordial way to prepare and cook our meats that offers a power punch when it comes to flavor and really connects us with nature and fire and all of the elements that are part of a rewilding lifestyle. We also burn all of our paper products and cardboard leftovers several times per week in our outdoor fire pit. We cook many of our meals over fire and here we go, we've even put out wildfires a few hundred yards from our home. So Jen and I, we've had a really big experience with fire. It's a huge part of our rewilding lifestyle from heating our home to cooking our food to turning paper products into ash. But by far the most interesting use of fire was when we lived in a home that was about 20 feet from a river. When the owner built the home, he couldn't get septic because of this close proximity to the water. So he innovatively purchased an incinerating toilet. A piece of tissue paper lined the bowl. You do your business, it lands on the tissue paper, and when you're done, you flip a switch that literally drops your mess into a burning fire, turning it into ash. Every few days, you'd empty the ashes, and there was no scent, just waste turned into ash. It was freaking brilliant. 
So for those of you living a rewilding lifestyle or for those of you just starting along your rewilding path, here's some of my favorite rewilding suggestions around adding more fire into your lives. Number one, before you dive into starting more fires at home, it's important to check the fire danger status in your area. This may sound like common sense, but as an ex-desert dweller, there were many times per year when fire danger was so extreme that we couldn't even use our outdoor barbecue. This was even prohibited. So please make sure that you're in a fire danger safe zone before proceeding with your outdoor fires. Indoor fires are typically okay even when fire danger is high, but again, please check into your local fire restrictions first. Number two, when you've got the green light regarding fire safety, start making more outdoor fires. This includes bonfires, fires in a chiminea, or an outdoor fire pit. Alongside sunlight and moonlight, firelight is among our most primordial light source. For those of you who live in a cloudy, sun-deficient environment, especially during sunrise, making a fire is an awesome source of red light. While 42% of sunlight always contains red light, this is the dominant light spectrum present at sunrise. And this light at sunrise is known to balance hormone re release, rebalance cortisol release patterns, it stimulates the metabolism, and improves energy production. Building a fire at sunrise, especially on cloudy days, is a second best when it comes to getting your Sunlight RX therapy on. And for those of you yet to learn my Sunlight RX protocol, you can hop over to my site, heathershepherd.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Scroll down the homepage a little bit and you'll see a place to purchase the Sunlight RX ebook. And this teaches you how to use the sun as your biggest healing ally. Number three, outdoor fires protect melatonin levels. Especially when you make a fire at night and omit artificial light, you're really doing your melatonin levels a huge benefit. Remember that your melatonin stores are released two to four hours after sunset. And so if you're looking at artificial light after sunset, you're going to delay this very, very important process of melatonin release. And we need that release to happen two to four hours after sunset so that your body can heal, regenerate, so that you can have deep, restful sleep. And melatonin is responsible for achieving these super important regeneration processes in your body, such as apoptosis, autophagy, and cellular repair. Artificial light contained in LEDs, fluorescent lights, etc. These deplete melatonin stores and delay its release. And when this happens, you literally set the stage for every single chronic disease, including type 2 diabetes, cancer, gut health issues, weight struggles, depression, chronic fatigue, and insomnia, to name a mere few. And number four, nature deficit disorder. I'm going to state the obvious here. When you make outdoor fires, you're outside more. And less than 7% of our time is spent outdoors. That's insane. This is a very big problem. And it's at the heart of our chronic health struggles today. I was working with a client last week 
and he said, Heather, this plan is awesome that you're, you're giving me here, but it is causing me to change my entire life. What are people supposed to do when they work indoors? And I said, this is exactly the problem. That was my reply. This is exactly the problem. All of our chronic diseases today are due to spending far too much time indoors and not enough time outdoors. And we need to learn how to restructure our lives on all levels in order to supply our living and income and our health at the same time. We cannot have one without the other and lead a healthy life. So our 7% here, this is the amount of time we're spending outdoors. And this is a huge problem. It's at the heart of our chronic health struggles today. So whether you make a fire at sunrise or at sunset under a starry sky, whether you start to burn your paper products in a fire, a true reliable source of recycling, right? I really doubt that much of the stuff we send to the recycling center actually gets recycled. And so I really prefer burning it and turning it into ash, putting that into the compost pile, right? So whether you choose to do these things or whether you start making more outdoor fires as a way to simply spend more time outside, know that this is a primordial practice that's etched into your bones and it's an empowering step to take along your rewilding journey. It's going to help you be much healthier and much more connected to nature. So enjoy gathering your kindling, your egg cartons, your old newspapers, your grass-fed butter, cardboard cartons, and your box of matches to start reaping the benefits of your rewilding lifestyle by making more fires. To learn more about rewilding your life and healing your body naturally, subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at sunlight underscore rx or visit me online at heathershepherd.com or wildandform.org.